welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and if you have a femtech idea or early stage startup, be sure to apply for the Guild Academy, Femtech Edition, which is the first virtual femtech accelerator where we are bringing together the biggest names in femtech, including investors, doctors, and successful femtech founders. Apply by September 18th. So as of today, you got seven days left, one week. Apply at letsguildacademy.com backslash femtech. All right. So in today's episode, I interview Maria Butkovic, founder and CEO of Women of Wearables. Women of Wearables is the first global organization aiming to support, connect, and mentor women in diverse groups in wearable technology, fashion tech, and IoT, which stands for Internet of Things. Their headquarters are in London, and they have over 20,000 members around the world. They have a super comprehensive newsletter that I personally love reading every week. You can subscribe to their newsletter on their website, womenofwearables.com. Maria has been featured in major tech and business publications such as Forbes, TechCrunch, Huffington Post, and many more. And she regularly appears as a public speaker, panelist, and at meetups in corporate events. In 2018, 2019, and 2020, three years in a row, Maria was selected as one of the most influential women in the UK tech by Computer Weekly. She has also been included in the top 100 influencers on gender equality and diversity and top STEM entrepreneurs by analytics. She's pretty much a really big deal. (laughs) She's, She's a really, really big deal, especially in the UK. So we are honored to have her on the show. In this interview, we discuss what is a wearable, what is women's centered design and data privacy in women's health and research. Enjoy. How many people and women they don't know? Yeah, you know, they don't know, you know, that you have to do pelvic floor extra pelvic floor. What's that? Mm-hmm. Endometriosis. What is that? Yeah, I have I might have that because I have very you know painful periods. Yeah, I no have one knows. no my, one tells you about it. My mother has texted me about more things that she's like, I'm pretty sure I had endometriosis. I'm gonna talk to my gynecologist about this drug now. I'm gonna, yeah. you know, and and I have friends that so message true. me that are like, Whoa, I had no idea. And so it's 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 working. It's working. Yes, yes, oh. brilliant, brilliant. I'm so proud of you that you're doing this and among so many other things that you have on your plate really. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's super fun. And I, I'm grateful that I was able to show you, I meant I was re- I was legitimate, you know, <laughs> from the first time we talked. Of course you are <laughs> like your plethora of like an experience. Like when I read your tweets and you're like, you know, the numbers that you share and stats and data, I'm like, Oh my God, like this, this girl knows all of this. Like <laughs> She's like walking to the <laughs> 
that's the goal that's the but goal it's, right but it's uh, i think i think you know especially if if you're an investor an entrepreneur and you need to know this but i think it's really good that you know as an investor yourself as well you you know what it means to be an entrepreneur you know what mm-hmm. it means to run a business because mm-hmm. many investors in general not necessarily venture no. capital ones but they don't know what it means to run a business no. they never run a business that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. And I think it's especially important for femtech investors because femtech is a new emerging industry. And apart from understanding what is it all about, you need to know what does it mean to run a business in this new emerging space. And that's why I think we we also need more investors who have been operators and founders. Yes. Because uh, they will, you know, understand the struggles, understand the challenges, you know, and everything. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I always. You know, between you and me, I appreciate investors who have been operators and founders a bit more rather than those who just, you know, okay, let's I'll get into VC without, yeah. you know, but I actually don't know what it means to run a business. The so. worst kind of investor is just a very, very wealthy person, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. that has been like been a CEO of Fortune 500 or, you know, very big company, not ground up type of thing, or somebody who's like fund trust because, uh, you know, the best money is money that comes with advice. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you don't, you, advice might be more valuable than money that you get. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, totally. You are a, you know, one of the first pioneers of creating a, an organization that supported Femtech. I can remember reaching out to you. It was probably about a year ago. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. start a Femtech group. And you were like, okay, that's cute. I hope so. And, uh, and it really made me feel good this past summer when you said, Hey, you did it. You actually did it. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I'm so proud of you. And, and look at you year after I'm here on your podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. So awesome. It's so great. Um, so you are, you know, CEO and founder of women of wearables and we are, I definitely want to get into like why would, you know, female-led wearable companies have anything to do with femtech? And I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot that has to do with it. But, um, you know, I'm excited to get into that story. But first, let's talk about you. Our listeners love to learn about our guests' background. We usually don't, you know, major in femtech. We somehow end up here. So where are you yeah. from? What did you study? What did you first do? And then how did you end up here? Absolutely. So I'm Croatian. I live in London at the moment with my husband and my uh, two-year-old toddler. Uh, and I somehow ended up in tech completely by accident because uh, my husband got a job in London in 2014 and we moved from Croatia. And at that time, I didn't have any, we didn't have any family in London, any friends whatsoever. And I had to completely reinvent myself, my career and my, you know, my journey. And I got into tech, into social media, marketing, PR. And then basically at that time, we were part of, um, of another startup in wearable tech space with other co-founders. We invented world's first smart umbrella, which was basically mm. an umbrella that you can pair via app with your phone. And then if you live in a public place, you'll get notification that you left it there and you can go back and pick it up. So very, very simple solution for a problem that many people probably have these yeah. days. And um, and actually before that, what I forgot to mention, I was a corporate lawyer. I come from a dark side. Whoa. So um, yes, yes, yes. I had a very traditional career. I was uh, for eight years. I was uh, in in a legal profession, and uh, but I was fed up with it. I would say I have to say that. And then when I got into tech, you know, I was so excited because whole new world 
opened uh, before my eyes. And then how I how I started Women of Wearables actually was back in 2014. London was very still very much traditional tech city. You know there was so much focus on fintech and SaaS and e-commerce and all these you know old school industries. Um, and you know there was only a handful of us in wearable tech. So uh, with my ex-co-founder Michelle, I started Women of Wearables, um, and we decided that you know we just want to build a community of women. And then after about a year Michelle left she wants to pursue some other um, you know challenges and uh, activities and, and projects and then I decided that okay if I really want to grow women in wearables that was initially envisioned to be just a small community of women in wearable tech and fashion tech and IOT uh, I really want to become global so we started working with more uh, different organizations and corporates and conference organizers and little by little by word of mouth we really became a global community of more than 20,000 members now in 35 countries, I think. And we have many ongoing activities from workshops, from webinars to partnerships to uh, interviews with women. We call them wow women. So if you go on our website, you can see really variety of women coming from all sorts of different industries. And how Femtech basically came into the whole picture was um, a year before I got pregnant with my son, uh, I uh, started reading a bit more about women's health uh, purely because I wanted to educate myself about, you know, pregnancy and everything else. And then I ran my first uh, Femtech meetup in London, which was incredibly well received. And we had more than 100 people attending. And then uh, I went through pregnancy and birth and had my son. And after that, I had so much appreciation for women who had children because your body changes so much. You cannot even imagine. And I got really hooked up on Femtech because I realized that if there is one single uh, industry that has really dramatic potential to change women's lives is Femtech. Yes. And uh, ever since then, Femtech has become a staple of, within our activities. We run regular um, webinars and workshops and, you know, member sessions around Femtech. And I met so many incredible people like yourself in this space. And I'm really glad that they, that the community is growing and, if you if you if we want to build an ecosystem, we need to build communities such as Wow, such as Femtech Focus, and many other. So uh, finally, you know, an industry that has been so overlooked and you know hasn't been there hasn't been enough investment in it now finally gets uh, attention that it deserves. What year was um, that first meetup? When did that happen? It was 2017. 17, yeah. I think it was in May. Sorry, in November 2017, um, we had some of the pioneers in uh, in Femtech space uh, sitting on our panel, uh, and it was incredible because the audience was really diverse. We had gynecologists, we had startup founders, we had women from corporates uh, corporates joining us. You know, they all wanted to know what is it all about Femtech? What is it Femtech? You know, even the term Femtech at that time it was like one um, years old. A lot of people. <laughs> Yes, exactly. You know, a lot of people, you know, wasn't even sure what, what does it mean? They yeah. thought, I, you know, I mean, fin, fintech, yeah. um, you know, fintech, what is that? So um, it was a really interesting start. But uh, ever since then, you know, the whole landscape of fintech uh, changed in London and globally. And uh, there's some incredible, you know, organizations and companies and uh, even accelerators um, so I'm really, really happy that in, in which, you know, direction the industry is going. Absolutely. The only little thing that, you know, little thing that it's missing is 
give more money to Femtech we founders. We need more but money. Show us the money. Show us the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're actually, in, to my knowledge, like one of the oldest organizations, the one that's been around the longest that's been doing Femtech mm -hmm. events. So I've always looked to you as kind of like, you know, a pioneer in really setting the stage for people like me to come, come along and also build an organization to support it. So thank indeed, you. indeed, we, we have been pioneers. I have to agree with you. And, um, and, you know, sometimes when, you know, when a little bit of imposter syndrome creeps mm. up and when I think, Oh my God, like, you know, can we really do this? Can we really, you know, make this happen? And then we, I don't know, announce the webinar and then we sell, I don't know, 200 tickets within a couple of days. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. We really yeah. do have a big community. Right. Um, and obviously what I have, I have learned personally a lot about femtech. I've educated myself immensely through interviews with, uh, with women that I conducted and through our webinars and collaborations. And, and, um, and obviously this is something that is also close to my heart privately, because I mentioned, uh, you know, once you have a child, once your body goes through the, all these changes, you start appreciating, um, anything that can help you on that journey and pose that journey and technology obviously can help with that. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into a little bit of definitions because we do have a lot of listeners. Some of them are farmers, some of them are not techies, right? And so what yeah. is a wearable? Okay, so wearable device uh, is any device that you wear on your wrist, around your neck, you know, that is connected to the internet so it, it, it it's an iot device right so there needs to be some kind of technology integrated in that device whether it's a sensor whether it's you know it, it's a bluetooth in that device with the sensor connected to an app or something like that mm -hmm. right so a lot of wearable devices are iot devices internet of things which means that there is some kind of connection you know there's a switch in them on and off that makes them you know, connected to the internet or not. Okay. And a lot of um, femtech actually startups, for example, also, you know, um, are hardware businesses um, and they are in some way connected to the internet as well. So the hardware is, is the most important, I would say, component of a wearable mm -hmm. device, right? It has to be very tangible. Um, and obviously there needs to be some kind of software because if you collect data from that device, you need to collect it through something and then, you know, get some kind of insight. So that's a wearable and an example of wearable that probably most people use these days are Fitbit fitness trackers. So all sorts of fitness trackers, smart watches, um, you know, VR goggles, AR goggles. So those are all wearable devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like wearables are super complex and multifaceted because you need a hardware device, something that goes around your wrist or something that goes around the head. So like the physical yeah. production, you have the software. If it's a VR headset, you need something that projects the, the content yeah. and where's the content stored on and what computer where, right? And then you also want to make it look good, right? So if you have a smart Absolutely. watch, there's like design behind that too. It's not like a medical device where you're like, well, if it's ugly, who cares? It's just the surgeon, right? But this is like, no, you also need to consider fashion. Absolutely. And that's so true because um, I would dare to say that, you know, first generation of wearable devices were very clunky, very ugly, and you can obviously see that they were designed by men for men. Yeah. Um, and not only that, you know, first generation of Apple smartwatches didn't have a single feature, for example, that would cater to women's health. So if you, for example, wanted to track your period or ovulation or whatever, 
nope, you couldn't do that. Uh, and this is something actually that I haven't, you know, came across myself, but I read this in a really incredible book that I would re definitely recommend to your listeners, uh, to your audience. It's called Invisible Woman by uh, Carolyn Criado Perez. So definitely check that book out because it's uh, very relevant to femtech industry as well. Um, now, obviously today wearables have dramatically changed. A lot of wearables companies have realized that, well, if you really want to, you know, even uh, become a bit closer to mainstream usage of our devices and especially if we want to get more women use them we have to be more fashionable we have to be you know we have to deliver uh, that aesthetical component of the device not only pack it with different sensors and you know data collectors and whatnot so um I think that's precisely again uh, when we're talking about apple for example they decided to you know design a whole range of smartwatches from the gold one to more fashionable ones because they are hoping that you know through that they will get more women using them and now obviously in wearable tech space we have all sorts of other devices from small jewelry to smart necklaces to um, all sorts of other things and i think that's good because um, wearables wearable devices they need to be part of your if you wear them they have to be part of your everyday lifestyle and style right they have to be extension of you mm -hmm. uh you know wearable device shouldn't scream in your face i'm a wearable device um <laughs> you know it should be it should be indivisible right yeah. as a tech piece of technology i would say you know it, it it should be beautiful you know you you should feel good when you wear it you should feel pretty when you wear it and then on top of that there is that tech component through which device collects the data and tells you something about your health mm -hmm. um and again even more so it's it's important in femtech space yeah so what i hear you say is that there's these tech giants that are trying to get more women to buy their product by making it prettier but yes. as you and i i, I would presume you you are a women's right activist um we don't necessarily absolutely. just need pretty we need absolutely. something that actually absolutely. fits our body because we're not just small men and actually something that tracks things that are relevant to us like ovulation and so do you see these tech giants actually taking into those things into consideration not just like we'll make it pink that's that's a really good point i mean we are definitely we should be past the face you know picking and shrinking it and you know to fit picking women i shrinking. think you know <laughs> yes. yes i mean you know women are as you say women are not men mm -hmm. and one of our community members elen from uh, wild ai she's she's very vocal about this and she always says women are not men and we are not men and just because you know um we we might prefer maybe something to be a bit different than just clunky black mm -hmm. device or our smartwatch doesn't mean that we are only about you know visual appearance of the device um but that's precisely where i think femtech comes into place because uh let's be honest women haven't been included enough in medical research or you know you know, women's health hasn't been included in data collection, right, before, not even through anything, not, not to mention wearables. So I think wearables have a really good potential of actually collecting a lot of data that's relevant to women's health and then reading something out of that data and projecting, you know, uh, what could happen with women's health, you know, uh, educate them about their health and so on, mm -hmm. not women female, right? Because, um, you know, you could still menstruate even if you're not a woman. So mm -hmm. uh, female health, as I prefer to call it, is a category that has been overlooked a lot, but every single industry and sector within the technology space 
has the opportunity now, whether it's a wearable tech, whether it's AI, whether it's, you know, um, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, contribute to the rise of, of, of FemTech. Yeah. Well, then let me ask you this. So just yesterday I did a uh, webinar on the landscape of FemTech and somebody asked, what about data privacy? You know, um, you're saying that all these things are out there now for women to track all these, you know, data points. Mm -hmm. What do you think mm -hmm. about data privacy? Um, you know, wearables are collecting a ton of data. And like you just said, that data can now be used to finally discover stuff that scientists mm -hmm. and doctors have never taken the time to look into or mm -hmm. it wasn't funded. What is your opinion on data privacy? Great question. Um, first and foremost, I don't think technology as such is either bad or good. It's all about mm -hmm. how we use it, mm -hmm. right? Secondly, I think that we people tend to overcomplicate things sometimes. And I think <laughs> that data privacy is something that should be very plainly explained to the end user, mm -hmm. but it should be also very plainly envisioned, so to say, you know, mm -hmm. by design, uh, by a company that's developing that that app or that device, right? I think it's all about transparency. If you, as an end user, know, in a, and it has been explained to you in a very plain English or any other language, mm -hmm. what kind of data that company is collecting, what, what it will be used for, right? Why are they using that data for? Um, how do you, how can you make them stop using that data or just, you know, give you yeah. that data and say, Hey, I don't want you to use my data anymore. Yeah. Can you send me the whole, you know, range of my data that you have? And it's my own property. Yeah. Right. And then last but not least, I think, um, it has to be, it has to be something that every company from the very beginning of the process of designing a device needs to take into account do we how much data are we collecting and what's the minimum data that we need in order to fulfill the purpose of that device or whatever right because sometimes less is more sometimes it's not i'm not an expert in that but from my experience a lot of companies again are putting too many sensors in their devices they're collecting so much data and at the end of the day first of all do you really need that much and secondly what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. Do you really, because the point is not collecting the data for the sake of collecting the data. The point is to come up with, you know, some, some, some conclusions out of that, you know, why, what are, you know, do you, do you really need that? And what will the end user actually do with it? Will you actually suggest them something, you know, better for their health based on the data that you collected from them? And a lot of companies actually miss out on that. They collect for the sake of collecting, yes. but they don't actually educate the end user. Okay, based on this, we came with the conclusion that, you know, you should do this and this and this, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. They're not doing that. And, the, the you know, it's not only about, you know, oh, you need to make your 10,000 steps per day or whatnot. Um, health is more complex than that. Mm -hmm. Maria, I am just like, for our listeners who can't see me, I am nodding so hard. I'm like, yes, to all of that. Because, you know, how I responded to the to the question yesterday was, you know, I was the owner of a DNA-based dating app. DNA is very touchy subject with consumers, right? Um, 
And you know how we handled it at our company was that we're only going to sequence the genes we need for attraction. I won't even know your gender based on your DNA test. You know, I won't know your Alzheimer's, your ethnicity, nothing. I just know these 11 genes for attraction. And that's what I suggest to other data collecting companies that is like collect what you need for the product because that's what the consumer's cool with, Absolutely. right? The consumer is saying, oh, this is a dating app I'm signing up for why would they need to know my Alzheimer's risk, right? Like, so the consumer has more trust when you only measure what you say you're measuring. Um, also, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to sequence 11 genes rather than, you know, 2000 genes. So it's actually quite business model wise, much smarter for on our end. And then also, I feel like if you just de-identify the data and you can tell the consumer, hey, we would like to use your data in this research to empower something you care about. If it's a fertility tracker or whatever, this person obviously probably would love to contribute to women's health in general. Um, and if you de-identify it then and get their consent, I, I love that you're like, we overcomplicate everything because we do. We really do. We do. Oh my gosh. We do. Like when we everyone do. was like, oh my God, blockchain is so confusing. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's just like you put a little bit of data on different servers. And they're and the you know the developers are like well yeah that is what it is I'm like well then why is why is everyone so confused and the, and also I would say language that we're using you know mm. it's, it's sometimes yes obviously medtech space and medical space you know yes to a certain extent you need to be a medical professional to understand certain topics and conversations but ultimately we all should aim to explain in a very plain language mm -hmm. what is our product built for why how and for whom and what will you do with the data or whatever um and once when you do that you build that trust with your end user with your end customer and ultimately it's all about trust right mm -hmm. because you want your customers to trust you but they will trust you if you have been transparent with them mm -hmm. and if they at any given moment know why is it that you're doing and how and how can they can they get out of it yeah if they don't want to participate that's anymore. right that's right. Um, well, so let's go back now. I could talk to you about data privacy a lot. It's a hot topic, but let's go back to the wearables part. Um, so designing things for women, um, admittedly, my listeners know this, I learn a lot literally within the interviews and I was interviewing, uh, Milena from menstrual health hub. And I was very confused about, uh, women centered design. I thought it was like designing for vaginas. And she was like, no, Brit, like, it's like designing a seatbelt for pregnant women. And I was like, Oh, that's what women centered design is. What is your experience? You know, CEO, founder, women of wearables. Are there courses on women-centered design? Is that something that people know about? Is it something that's very popular? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's 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 so broad in the terms of like you know people even know what it is. If you ask me, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of companies should before even designing products, before even coming to a conclusion, okay, this is what we're going to do with the product. They should educate themselves about female-centered design, women-centered design, yeah. whoever-centered yeah, design, yeah. right? Because ultimately, you know, that's that should be part of your strategy, right? You won't go into building a house if you don't have a strategy of, of if you don't have architects and everyone else, you know, first, you know, putting, you know, the, the, that layer of ground layer and then you build upon that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of companies, you know, before even uh, getting into the whole swing of things of, designing products and you know manufacturing and prototyping they should really educate themselves about 
what it means mm -hmm. because um, you know there will be much failures I would say and and sales will be better ultimately right because you don't want to build a product that you know doesn't cater to half of the world's population mm -hmm. for any reason um, and I, I personally think that's why we've seen such a such a you know surgence of femtech businesses because ultimately they they're building something that with, with females in mind mm -hmm. and and a lot of health and businesses that are you know basically for anyone they are not doing that and and we cannot deny that you know women's health female health is different it, yeah. it is different than men's health right so there should be different type of company for it regardless yeah. you know whether you think or not that's just the fact we have not only different reproductive systems the whole health of women and female is different, mm -hmm. uh, not only when it comes to, you know, periods and sexual health and all sorts of other things related to reproductive health, but um, also to different maybe cardiovascular diseases or, or similar, because yes. that, that's it. Yeah, so it's almost like um, also, you know, where you measure things and how you measure it. So, you know, I was consulting a um, cardiac device and it was like a portable EKG and it was supposed mm -hmm. to sit on the chest and, you know, you were going to use the, you know, uh, your sternum as like the base. And I asked this founder, like, what about breasts? And, you know, they were like, well, hopefully it'll just be able to hear through the breasts, you know, <laughs> to the heart. And I was like, you should probably, okay. And then also, who are you going to sell it to? And they said athletic directors. It was supposed to be for like sudden cardiac arrest and like high schoolers. And I was mm -hmm. like, Okay, I don't think that it's appropriate for athletic directors to be like manhandling women's breasts to like put this EKG thing on them before sports. And it was like these just these like mindful things. And the founder was so amendable and was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But it was like something that like did not cross their mind, you know, um, not only the physical Indeed. aspect of breasts, but also the social aspect of like, well, if the majority of athletic directors are old men and you're targeting young girls and it's supposed to be on their breasts, it's like, you did not think about the social aspects of that, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Like one of the areas, for example, that I think would be really good to disrupt and, and change in, in a, in a in a more positive way is our um, you know breastfeeding bras like mm. when I was breastfeeding like all the bras were so ugly and I did, really didn't like what I what I found uh, and they are not cheap and I can't wait for you know someone to reinvent breastfeeding bra that's also very pretty and sexy for women to wear because when you uh, gain some weight in pregnancy which inevitably happens and when your boobs are twice as bigger than they used to be um, I, you know, you're not, I, at least I wasn't feeling as sexy as I did before. And, yeah. you know, you want to feel good in your body still. Right. So, um, you know, something as simple as breastfeeding bra can, can be a significant, make a significant difference and just an idea, you yeah. know, yeah. and wh whoever has designed them so far, <laughs> I don't think they took into account enough, you know, uh, you know, women's bodies and female bodies and breast breasts when you're breastfeeding and so on. Yeah. And there we go again, right? Like this wearable um, industry is this merge of tech, design, and fashion, right? Because you're saying there yeah. are bras out there that are functional, but God, do I look like weird. Like I'm not sexy. You know, I'm not feeling good yeah. in it, <laughs> right? So you exactly. need that fashion exactly. part. 
Um, what are some other trends that you're seeing and what are some areas that, you know, you just mentioned that as a need, what are some other areas that you're like, damn, why is somebody not doing this yet? Um, really good question. So within the, for example, I'll, I'll say within the femtech space, I think there are many areas within the femtech industry that are really ripe for disruption and uh, haven't been changed. Uh, we see now again, great number of, uh, you know, femcare brands reinventing pads and tampons and there's all sorts of other um, you know uh, menstrual uh, care products which is amazing because uh, when I was a teenager when I got my period you know all you had was pads and then tampons and that was it right mm -hmm. and one area that I'm very curious uh, how much invention there will be is um, infant nutrition for example mm. um, my son obviously i was breastfeeding but uh first few months uh, i was uh giving him formula alongside of breastfeeding as well and i have to say it's disgusting mm. uh especially um if my son has food allergies so uh, there are some different types of formula milk that um you can give to babies with food allergies but it's really not tasty and i'm really actually surprised that this this area within you know um because i do consider it to be part of femtech as well and you know uh, women's health space uh hasn't been changed because mm -hmm. um it's 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 fundamental for a small child to to get not only nutritionally good food but also uh something that tastes as well and i swear to god this doesn't taste well so um i would love to see more change in, in that space actually yeah um i actually have a, when it comes to quick, quick comment on that, because I just learned recently about the baby's palate, right? And taste, because mm -hmm. uh, I have a friend here in Houston, she's founder of Pure Palate, and it's literally a baby food service and education for like the first three years of life on how to give your baby different textures, different tastes. Amazing. And she integrates science like did you know the first seven times a baby tries asparagus, it doesn't like it. You have to try eight times, you know? And so it's just like science that diversifies the palate because I see kids today that they only eat ramen noodles, chicken nuggets, and mac and cheese. And it's not just because they don't like broccoli. It's like their palate literally doesn't like, like it, you know, because they grew yeah. up on such mundane, flavorless, terrible, salty things, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, am, I am also a fan of that, the diversification of the palate. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's really important, but it has to start from the, from the earliest yeah. age, right? Because just because, you know, children start with solids around six months of age doesn't mean, but a lot of them will still um, drink formula milk until one year of age and some even, some even until two years of age. That doesn't mean that even with the formula, you cannot, you know, integrate maybe different tastes yeah. or, you know, uh, you know, something that will be a bit, I would say, tastier. Um, but when we are now talking about breastfeeding, I'm also very passionate about that because as a young mom two years ago, as a new mom, I just wasn't educated enough about what does it mean and um, and uh, any of my friends who was who was breastfeeding, they said it was, you know, very tough journey. It's it's very rarely an easy journey for anyone. So um, I think there should be more education around that, and there should probably be 
you know, more technological solutions that can make mm. uh, women's lives easier. We have some incredible uh, silent breast pumps these days, mm -hmm. uh, which is awesome. Um, I I wait for the day again where someone will invent something or maybe even a bra again uh, that will measure how much um, how much uh, breast milk your baby had if you haven't pumped that milk so that would be a really interesting thing to see because i know it might sound like a science fiction now but based on volume of your breasts it's really interesting to see whether uh, we could measure how much uh, milk baby had and so on so i think it might be in a uh, it might happen in the near future i have I haven't seen anything on the market yet such as something like that but mm -hmm. it would be interesting one because um, uh, there's a huge opportunity when it comes to business opportunities but also to advertising and um you know disrupting the air uh, the industry uh with 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 new moms especially breastfeeding i would say it's, it's a massive industry um and i'm very keen to see how technology can change that mm -hmm. space well you know people are asking me like how can femtech advance and when is it going to advance and uh, you know one of my beliefs is that as we get more women in the boardroom um, as we get more women in um, uh, leadership in STEM, I think we have a lot of upcoming women in STEM, but not they're not in the leadership position yet. Um, and then also women that are general partners of funds. I think all of that is going to create more investment into femtech. And then the, the boardroom is like, you know, making sure that their policies are women friendly, but also... Um, do you think that as we get more designer women in like power positions, decision-making positions, then our wearables will will have more female-centered, women-centered wearables as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it all comes down to decision-making and who holds the money, I would say, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And we just need to give women more money, you know. When people ask, you know, oh, how would you solve the situation in STEM? You know, how would you solve the crisis of lack of women, lack of diversity in STEM and whatnot? I always say, you know, give women, give diverse technologists and founders, regardless whether they are women or not, give them more money. Mm -hmm. Because we have to be honest that this industry is pale, it's male, it's, it's sale, and we have to change that. And um, actually through Femtech, because we often, you know, um, you know, consider Femtech to be only women's health uh, thing. I think actually through Femtech, um, all other, uh, you know, sectors as a you know help of transgender mm -hmm. and non-binary people and so on will also um get visibility they deserve um and if we start with women incredible but obviously ultimately we have to help everyone we have to empower everyone yeah. um and i would say that if we can get more money to women to to femtech in general that would be incredible um, and ultimately i think that if we can give more money to women that um we will just benefit everyone will benefit from it but it has to start from a c-level position it, yeah. it, it has to start from partners within the VC funds. It has to start within corporates uh, where women are on higher positions, whether it's a design team, whether it's an innovation team, whether it's a you know financial team. Ultimately, it's all about that. Um, because we also, women need more role models. If you see a woman here in a company and you're here at the bottom, you will have a goal, right? Yes. You will see someone that you want to become. Right. But if you see five you know, middle-aged men 
you won't you won't see that way mm -hmm. and ultimately um i think that you know women know better with money if you ask me if you give women money they will know what to do with it mm -hmm. i mean it has been scientifically proven there was a ton of yep. research yep. you know that if you invest in female business they will do better with that money That's versus right. male-led business right yeah so I don't know why investors are so much so afraid. Of, of <laughs> we have the data. Money. We have the data, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think ultimately that uh, again, um, there's enough space for everyone. Uh, women deserve to get more visibility, more money, and more power. Mm -hmm. And men shouldn't feel threatened by that, right? Yeah. They they should actually, you know. Uh, feel empowered by that because yes. uh, you know you have someone to look up to if they are better than you especially if it's a woman and uh, it's 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 a teamwork we will all succeed if we give more visibility and money to um, maybe categories of people that you know are, are not getting it now mm -hmm. uh, and that's how the equality and equity is created do you think there's some trends in terms of uh, women purchasing wearables less than men or are women more likely to buy a wearable or do you think it's a design issue once we get the design right, women will buy it more? Uh, I definitely think that once when we solve the design issue, women will buy it more. Um, but we have to look beyond just design. I think it's all about what can you do with that oh, device, that's right? right? Yeah. Is it is it is it useful, right? Because yeah. ultimately, for me as an end user, I want it to look good, but I also have you know use use out of it, right? Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> you it, don't it, want to just buy a six hundred dollar band. Exactly. You want the band to exactly. tell you what to exactly. eat and when or how and yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's 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 a bit of a complex one because you mm -hmm. you have to think about it in a holistic way, I would say. But um, I definitely think that if we if we start with design, things will improve. <laughs> wow. Well, Maria, this has been such a fun conversation. I love what Women of Wearables is doing. Your newsletter is fire. Um, I'm always telling people that you're you know one of the top original gangster OGs of femtech organizations. Um, it's been so fun. You've Thank been, you so you've much. been a mentor to me. You're speaking of like someone to look up to. I've looked up to you. Thank you so much. And you're so sweet, but we, we need, we need more of organizations such as ours. And I'm really glad to see, you know, successes of, of, of your podcast and many others who are uh, emerging in this space. And, um, because ultimately, women and you know diversity in general will has to get more visibility and there needs to be more awareness about okay. these challenges and these issues um and i'm using this actually opportunity to invite everyone to also attend some of our webinars um that we will be running in the for next couple of months all around femtech october month of october will be all around femtech for us so we'll be running really diverse diverse topics from sex sex to to sex uh fertility and contraception um they are free to attend so we would love to see some of your um uh, audience members joining us as well um, and also something that we offer for our premium members are uh, smaller groups smaller meetups virtual meetups focus groups um, we'll, we'll start with those from October uh, whether it's for wearable and fashion tech space whether it's femtech and health tech so uh, whoever uh, 
that wants to join us, uh, they can join us, of course. We would love to have them with us. Um, I ultimately want to learn more about femtech. Uh, bottom line for me is to educate myself. And I learn so much from people like yourself, from, from startup founders that we have in our community. Um, and I learn every day. And, and basically, that's my end goal, really to learn and then use that knowledge to make my own life better. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously make lives of, of our community members better and educate them and inform them about what's out there. Yeah. So you mentioned newsletter, we really try to pack it with relevant news, uh, industry news and updates and what's happening in our community. So if people want to subscribe, we would love them to read it. It goes out every Monday. Uh, and it will land in their inboxes. Yep, it's uh, it's one of the emails I keep on unread if I have a really busy Monday because I'm like, no, 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 tomorrow <laughs> I gotta read that. You know, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for your time today, Maria. Thank you so much, Brittany. Uh, keep going. Uh, you're doing an amazing job, and uh, I cannot recommend your podcast enough. Uh, amazing work. We need more women like you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Maria Budkovich, founder and CEO of Women of Wearables. I can remember reaching out to Maria over a year ago and told her I wanted to start a femtech organization. She kindly gave me advice and introductions, and it's been a really cool experience to look up to Maria as someone to aspire to. And now I feel like her peer in the community. Femtech Focus still obviously has a long way to go to catch up to the progress that Women of Wearables has, but nevertheless, Maria has paved a way to make it easier for newbies like myself. So thanks, Maria. Women of Wearables actually has a very interesting event coming up on September 23rd called The Rise of CBD in Healthcare and Wellbeing. And if you enjoyed our Wednesday episode, it's the one right before this one on Women in Weed, then you'll love her panel. In fact, the moderator of the panel is Colleen, the guest from our episode on Wednesday. So register for this free event on the Women of Wearables website at womenofwearables.com. Now remember, the Guild Academy Femtech Edition Accelerator, the applications close in one week, September 18th. So don't wait, don't be late, don't miss out, do it. Be part of the first founding class. Thank you for being an avid listener of the Femtech Focus podcast. I love hearing from y'all. Um, show us some more love. Uh, Femtech Focus is on all of the social channels at Femtech Focus. Subscribe to our newsletter, femtechfocus.org. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. <laughs>